0: Hey there, this is Brian Lane, lead pastor of FAM Church, and I have the honor to introduce today's message to you. We started a new series on Sunday called Rehab, and I think we could all use a little rehab in our life. And for week one of this series, we entered into Rehab for Anxiety. Let's listen in as Jesus speaks to our anxiety today. I am just going to get started On uh, this morning's message and uh, some of you who are regulars around here you may be wondering you haven't seen my wife in a few weeks and I just want to give you an update yes she's still alive okay um, the deal is that uh, she is running our children's ministry at the Bowling Green campus right now, and so she is going down there on Sunday mornings right now until they have a team. And it was, it was really cool because our plan for Easter Sunday was to, uh, to, to have a great Sunday where kids came, and they had 22 kids at Easter Sunday, and we were going to use that to, to start a children's ministry because they didn't have one. And thankfully, because of that, we, we have seven to nine kids now coming, on Sunday morning at Bowling Green, whereas before, they had none, and so they had an immediate need, yes. And so, yeah, we've got the opportunity to minister to children, and so that's where she's at. And so, we're starting our series this morning called Rehab. Has anyone ever felt like they maybe needed a little bit of rehab? All right. Carol is never shy about anything like that, but you know what, I think all of us, At some point in our life, feel like that. And so when I say the word rehab, I'm not talking this hardcore where we've got to go away for a week or maybe six in order to have some real time and energy put into us. Now, in conversations that I was having with some of you before service, some of you may need to go away for a few weeks to get rehab, but that's not what we are talking about, And so the question becomes then for us, well, what are we rehabbing from in the first place? Where are we going with rehab? And I know Ashley already kind of hinted to that, but there's a lot of things that we can go into rehab for, right? We can go into rehab for drugs, for alcohol, for sex addictions, for gambling, for shopping addictions, for uh, what else do we got out there? We could just continue with a list. I could sit here for 10 minutes and just name the things that people end up in rehab for, correct? Well, we're going to talk about the things that everyday people struggle and battle with. We're going to talk about the things that everyday people, as they go through their life, as they live their life, as as they do their normal daily routine of raising kids, of, of getting people places, of all of that stuff, the things that come into their life. Because many things are a part of a normal life that pull people in and cause them to worry and stress, bringing anxieties and insecurities to the surface, which lead to things like depression. And that's what we're heading into rehab for, because this is very real today, and I think God's Word has some answers for us to keep us out of this. And this first week, we are going to talk about anxiety. And as anxiety is a struggle that is at an all time high here in the United States. And what's more interesting about that is the younger you go on the age scale, the more anxiety there is. So, what does that mean? That means that our kids over in Kids Church, our teenagers that are sitting over here, they experience more anxiety than anyone else in our culture. Closely behind that is the people in their 20s are next in line with the most anxiety. Then, be, then it's the people in their 30s and 40s, those who are raising kids, and then those whose kids are out of the house and they're kind of living on their own, doing their own thing. It's kind of empty nesters. They have the least anxiety in your life. And so some of you may be concluding, well, it must be the children that are causing all of the anxiety for us. Well... In a sense, yes, but not in the way that you are thinking. Because what they found is that the reason why our kids and our teenagers have so much anxiety in their life is because the parents are taking their anxieties and dumping it down on their kids, putting an unbearable weight and pressure upon their kids, causing their kids to be stressed out, anxious, depressed, nervous and struggle with so many areas but the good thing about this is God has written us a prescription for this kind of anxiety and for that that is what we are going to talk about and that is what we are going to look at this morning and so where we're going to start off this morning in the Bible for this prescription to anxiety that God has prescribed for the things that trouble so many of us is the book of Psalms we're going to be in the 139th Psalm, and so if you'd like to turn there, you are welcome to. Uh, so the book of Psalms is about halfway through the Old Testament. It's kind of one of the longer books, as it's got like 150 chapters, and so, um, but if you have trouble finding it, that's okay. You don't know where it's at. We're going to have it on the screen behind us for you to follow along, but let me just tell you a little bit about the book of Psalms. What was it? What is it? And what the book of Psalms is, is it's kind of this ancient prayer and hymnal. Okay, It was the book that the Jews used in their worship services. When they needed to speak a prayer out, they would pick things out of the Psalms and pray them aloud at their worship services in Jerusalem. When they needed to sing a song, they would go through the book of Psalms and they would pull out a song and they would sing it as part of their worship experience. It was kind of like the ancient version of Hillsong or Elevation or Bethel, some of the stuff that we do. This was the ancient worship manual for the Jews. And the one that we're going to look at today was written by a dude named David. He was the second king the nation of Israel had. We're going to be reading verses 19 through 24 uh, in chapter 139. And uh, this is what it says. If uh, Is there any of our ushers out there? Mark, could you do me a favor and go in the office and grab me a, a warm water? Not one of the ones out of the refrigerator, please. Thank you. I'm already losing my voice and I'm five minutes in. That's not good. All right, so this is what it says in uh, chapter 139, 19 through 24. "'If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies.'" Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my uh, anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, if we were to think about this as a worship song, it's kind of intense, right? Can you feel the anointing on that? God, slay. God, thank you, sir. God, let's hate. God, let's kill some rebellious people. Kind of sounds like what we sang this morning, right, Maurice? Those are some of the lyrics we sang, right? But if we're all honest, though, we could really relate to those words that, uh, that David spoke there, can't we? Because at some point in time, you've wanted to kill someone, right? Anybody? I mean, I've been there. You've just seen someone and goes, I just want to punch you in the throat. That's all you can think of. And the people that we want to kill, what do we think of them? Oh, they're definitely evil, right? They definitely are haters. They're in rebellion against the Lord because why else would they make us so mad? Because only people who want to make us mad are in rebellion against the Lord because we're God's anointed, correct? They're bloodthirsty punks who only intend evil because... That's their life, that's their situation, and that's their role. Well, David, in writing this, he really did have a reason to want to kill the people he was talking about. Why was that? Because he had been anointed Israel's king by the prophet Samuel, but there was one problem. Israel still had a king. His name was Saul. Saul. And uh, as you can imagine, Saul was not too happy to hear that somebody else had been anointed king. I mean, put yourself in that spot and you're king and somebody comes along and says, hey, the prophet anointed so-and-so king. What would your response be? I don't think so, bro, right? I mean, that's where I'd go with that one. And so Saul was chasing David across the country in caves all over the place trying to kill the man. He was trying to kill him so that he didn't have to worry about this guy trying to take his throne, but even beyond that, Saul wanted his kingdom to continue, and so he wanted his son, Jonathan, to become king when he passed away, and so he saw that not just as a threat to his kingdom, but as his dynasty in that country, and David taking the spot of his son, and so he was saying to himself, I am going to go out there, and I am going to kill this, and so David, imagine, put yourself in that spot. After being chased around the country for months, possibly years, and suddenly you're in this spot, you may be gonna snap a little bit, right? I mean, if somebody's trying to kill you all the time, there's gonna come a point in time in your life where you're gonna, you know what? Screw those people, right? I mean, isn't that, let's kill them. Let's do something. Let's kill these evil, satanic sinners that are chasing me. But for most, if not all of us, the, the anxiety that we face in life is not because people are trying to kill us, right? Now listen, if you do have this scenario going on in your life where people are chasing you, trying to kill you, please talk to me after service because I bet you you got a legit story behind it and I want to hear it. Um, But even though we're not in that position, we're not in that place, we understand what it's like to carry anxiety around all the time. See, for most of us, stress and anxiety builds up as we worry about life, as we worry about our kids, as we worry about our bills, as we worry about terrorist attacks, jobs, school shootings, crime, and even nuclear war. There are some of you here today that live with a pervasive sense that whatever happens to you next, you know it's going to be bad. You have no idea what this thing is, but you just know. You say, that's my kind of luck, that the next thing that happens to me is going to be bad. And if anything good happens to you, you go, well, that's out of character because everything that happens to me is always bad. A friend of mine told me about a girl that he dated in college, and this is a great story. It happened here in Lakeland. Um, He was dating this girl. He was a student at Southeastern, and, uh, and they went out on a date. Well, they were driving down the road, And an ambulance went by. It's lights on, screaming down the street, going to an emergency situation. The girl looked at my friend and said to him, that's going to my parents' house. And he said, how do you know that? It's not even headed in the direction of your parents' house. And her response was, I know that something has happened to my parents. I need you to turn this car around now and drive me back home. Well, she's insisting, so he turns the car around and heads to her parents' house, and they get there, and guess what they find? Her parents sitting in the living room, watching TV, no ambulance nearby or in sight. But a lot of people live with that anxious thought on their life that something terrible is going to happen. And so why do we get like that? There are several reasons why we get that like that, and they all come from in here and in here. The first reason we get anxiety is because of what we take in. In other words, it comes from what we are feeding our brain on a daily basis. You see, we sit, and we take in, and we take in, and we take in stuff that causes anxiety in our life. What do I mean by that? We get home from work, and we go into the living room, and we turn on that television set, and we turn to CNN, or we turn to Fox, or we turn to Channel 8, Channel 10, Channel whatever, and we sit there, and for the next two or three hours, we watch every tragic event that's happening in the world and we dump that stuff into our minds all evening long. Then after we've spent several hours listening to everything terrible that's happening, we go, what else should I do? So we get out our phone and we open up Facebook and we start to scan through our newsfeed. We open up Instagram and we start to look through everyone's pictures. And what do we see in everyone's pictures? How awesome everybody else's life is like, right? We see Susie's on a week-long cruise. Donna and Bob have one kid at Harvard, another at MIT, and their last child was just accepted at Princeton. (laughs) Ken and Barbie, they just got a new house and car. Jim is at the Lightning game, three rows up from the ice for the playoffs. Bill and Sue's kids are on the traveling baseball team and were voted all-stars. And as I look at my life, I say, man, None of that is true for me. And so what does that mean? It must mean I am failing as a parent, provider, and all-around fun person to be with. And so we pile more anxiety on top of our shoulders. We spend our days anxious over whether or not our kids are gonna come home alive from school. We spend our days anxious over whether or not our spouse is going to come home alive from work. Anxious over our kids and the schools they go to and whether or not they are gonna be failures at life because they went to this high school rather than that high school a few miles away. We want our kids to be able to tell their friends about the great vacations they have taken. So we try to figure out how we can afford the ridiculously overpriced Disney vacation so that we can have those memories. Anxiety builds even higher. Little Johnny, not as good at basketball as his friends, so we need to hire a coach for him so that he can make the all-star team because Johnny's parents are good, and if I'm a good parent, my kid needs to turn out like Johnny. And then what do we do? We're carrying these burdens for our kids to be great in school, great athletes, great, 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 and we put this all down on their shoulders and their kids are sitting there. They want to please their parents so much That they take that anxiety and they carry this weight around with them, saying, I've got to make my parents happy because they want me to be an all star, a straight A student, going to Princeton, doing all of the great things, and they carry that burden with them. That's not the way it was meant to be. But it's that way because of what we are feeding ourselves. See, we weren't meant to have all of the news that's transpiring in the world going into our brain on a daily basis. We weren't meant to have everyone's lives being lived out in front of our faces each and every single day. See, our kids are not trophies to prove how great a parent we are. The only way that we can change that is by changing what we are bringing into our hearts and our minds. We need to shut some TVs off. We need to put down our phones and our iPads and tablets and change the things that we are putting in. See, David went to God and he said, God, search my heart. And that's where we need to be as well. We need to be able to go to God and say, God, I'm taking all of this stuff in. Is this the stuff that you want me to be taking in? Is this going to lead me to the place where I have less anxiety? Or is it gonna lead me to the place where I have more anxiety? Search my anxious thoughts so I know that the things that I'm taking in are what you want me to take in. And I have a feeling that for most of us in this room, if we spent our time taking in more of God's word, we spent our time praying together as a family, worshiping together as a family instead of competing with everyone as to how great we are at parenting and how great our kids are, the anxiety levels in our kids and in us would drop considerably, considerably. God, search my heart, show me if what I am taking in is causing my anxiety levels or not. A second reason we get anxious is linked to the first, and that's when we miss what's important in life. How do we prioritize importance in life? Well, job, job, yeah, that's important. Yeah, my kids' school, yeah, yeah, that's important, that's up here too. Uh, marriage, okay, that's important. Uh, vacations, oh yeah, that's important. Uh, and we just start putting pieces, and every single piece we put up there, we start to list out all of these things that are important. See, but what happens in life when everything is important? Suddenly, everything feels urgent, right? Right? And so you're living in a place where everything is important, everything is urgent, and you have this pressure on yourself. You have this pressure on your family, and it's creating a person who's overwhelmed. Here's the deal. Not everything in life is important. We want those things to be important because we have put pressure on ourselves to be awesome, At everything. But you know what? Many times we pick the wrong things for the focus of our awesomeness. See, God has given us the most important area to prioritize, and a message that Jesus gave to a large group of people who are looking to do their life the way Jesus had intended it. And it's found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. And this is what Jesus said there. He said, Therefore I tell you. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. That's how God, God clothes the field. God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will He not much more clothe you, you have little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What did Jesus say was important? In life, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And if we were to head back to the book of Psalms that we read a few minutes ago in David, that's how he handled his anxiety. When it reared its ugly head, he sought God and went back to what was important. Search me, God. See, if seeking God is not the top priority in our life, if that's not not the top priority that our families focus on, then we're focusing on things that don't really matter. We need to turn our focus to what's important and let the things that are not so important take their proper place. And when everything is in its proper place, our anxieties will decrease and we will, will be able to live how God intended us to live. What's another reason that we have anxieties? Well, sometimes our anxiety is caused by a lapse in our integrity. See, David, he was out there in the wilderness, and he was mad at people. He was really mad at people. He was so mad at people, he was wanting to kill some people. But David knew, after he had spoken those words, that something probably wasn't right on the inside if his passion at that point in time had turned from God and had turned to killing people. See, he had a crisis of integrity. And for some people, the struggle that they are facing is that their integrity is compromised. And so let's start by talking about this word integrity. Integrity comes from the word integer. Integer means whole. Whole. It's a whole number, it's something that's complete. So a fraction isn't an integer. A number with a decimal point in it isn't an integer. And so when something is lacking integrity, it's lacking something that makes them whole. When we have a problem with our integrity, we become fragmented. We become a fraction. Why is that? Because we become several different people. We're the guy at work. We're the guy at home with our families. We're the guy that we are online. We're the guy that we are Friday nights. We're the guy that we are Sunday morning when we come to church. We become fragmented and fractured, and you're never going to have peace in your life when you are walking around trying to figure out which peace you're supposed to be at the current time. Integrity, uh, lacking integrity is going to destroy that peace, and we need, so we need to become whole again. We need to become complete again. David knew this, so he turned to God and he asked him to search his heart, to find the offensive ways, and then to lead him in the way everlasting to make sure that his integrity was not compromised. But he also knew another thing, and the only person who who could make him whole again was God. If you're looking at your life and you're fragmented and you're fractured and you're several different people and you're always trying to figure out which person you need to be based upon the people that you're hanging out with or whatever it is that you're doing, that's why you are experiencing anxiety in your life. God did not design you to be a fractured, incomplete person, he designed you to be a whole person. You can get rid of your anxiety by just coming to him and allowing him to heal and repair and restore. And I'm going to say this, for many of us, the things that cause anxiety in our life can be dealt with by asking this question, God search our hearts. And I know what's going on out there. Some of you are thinking, but pastor, you don't understand. Don't you worry About your kids getting good grades? About your kids getting into good colleges? Getting shot at school? I mean, the closest, I guess, I don't know if you heard about the school shooting in Ocala this last Friday, but that was the high school my girls went to. They know, my, my older two knew the guy who did the shooting. Don't you worry about getting good on your kids getting on good sports teams and becoming successful in life so they have nice things? Don't you worry about the world ending and everyone you love dying? You know what? I don't. I do not worry about all of those things. I have two worries in this world. My first worry is this. I'm worried that I'll spend eternity and my kids won't be there. That's my biggest worry. That is the biggest concern that I have in life because that's the most important thing there is. I worry about my mother and my father and my brothers and my sisters and my nieces and my nephews knowing Christ so that I can spend eternity with them. That's where my fear lies. That's where my anxiety lies. And there's people, too many people, that are dying separated from Jesus. And that bothers me as well. But what I know is that the verses that we read from Matthew a few minutes ago, if my worry is placed in those spots that I just mentioned right there, making sure that my kids, my wife, my family know who Jesus is and make sure that everyone who I come in contact with outside of these walls who doesn't know Jesus knows who Jesus is, Jesus said all those other things that we spend so much time worrying about are going to be added on to us. so many of us can't do that. See, we can't trust God to control the outcome of our family. We're too afraid to let God have control. And so we put our hands on our family. And I'm really, I get really frustrated in having conversations with parents who say, man, my kids, they're adults now, and they don't go to church, they don't serve Jesus, and I asked them, tell me about when they were growing up, what happened? You know, was church your priority? Well, no, they needed to get good grades, and they needed to do this, and they needed to do that, and they needed to be good at sports, and so w- w- this was a lower priority. Can I say that's where we missed on that right there? If we would have just given our kids to Jesus and made God and Jesus the focus and center of everything, all those other things would have been added unto them. And listen, if your kid is smart, if your kid is intelligent, it doesn't matter what high school they go to, it doesn't matter what college they go to, God is going to use them, they're going to get great jobs and be great people, okay? So as we're coming to the end of this message, I have a feeling that some of you are thinking, man, this is a stupid waste of my time. Because all you told me was that I needed to make sure that I was allowing God to search my heart, taking in more of Jesus than all those other things. This is not new, I know all that. The Question becomes, if you know all that, why haven't you done it? I'm gonna turn to the Gospel of John to wrap up here. We're gonna be reading from chapter 21. In verses 1 through 6, it says this. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Here's the profound truth that we're gonna learn from this. If what you're doing is not working, Maybe it's time to cast your net in a different direction. See, some of us just keep throwing our nets in the same direction. We throw it out there. We drag it up empty. We throw it out there. We drag it up empty. And we don't ever make a change. We don't ever make a change do anything different, we think to ourselves, well, if my kids get this, my anxiety will be gone. If we look more successful, then my anxiety will be gone. If this and then that, then we'll be all right. Meanwhile, anxiety continues to sit there like a weight on your shoulders, weighing you down and keeping you from living in the freedom that you can live in. Meanwhile, Jesus is standing there saying, stop casting your net right there. Throw the stupid thing on the other side of the boat. Do something different. But we won't do it. Why? Because that's the pastor's answer for everything, right? Just love Jesus more. It'll take care of all your problems. Well, this time, in this case, it's true. But we hear that and we go, oh, that's just so stupid. I don't have time for that. I need something that's going to help, that's going to make a difference, that's going to make it better. But until we, are, until we are willing to stop throwing our net in the same spot and saying, well, nothing's going to change and throw it in a different spot, we've got no reason or right to complain. Because you're going to catch the same fish you're always catching as long as you keep throwing it in the same direction. And so the challenge this morning is this. Make that decision today to ask God to search your heart. Make that decision today to ask God to turn some stuff in and out and around in your heart and your mind to see if the anxieties that you are facing is because you're taking in the wrong stuff. You've got the wrong stuff as a focus of importance. You're, uh, you're looking at the, at the wrong things for your su- to measure your success by. Or maybe it's that your integrity is fractured and it needs to be fixed. Whatever it is, let's deal with that thing. Let's deal with that anxiety that's there in our life so that we can live free from those things causing anxiety in and with us. And so this morning, as we transition over to baptism, we're going to open the front of the room for anyone who would like to come and pray. You can come down here if you'd like someone to pray with you. We have some people who can pray with you. Otherwise, if you'd just like to come to the front and kneel and pray and say, God, and if you're sitting there this morning saying, you know what, none of those things are a reason for my anxiety, that's fine. God still has the power to set free and deliver you from anything that's causing anxiety in your life. He is a delivering, healing, freeing God. As that song said this morning, we're no longer slaves to fear. He can break that thing off of us and set us free. And so let's take this few minutes of opportunity to allow Jesus to move and work and minister in our life. Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church podcast. FAM Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 10 30 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thank you again and have an amazing day.